have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me fill you in on a few things. Like first and foremost, it's free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then Anchor is going to distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on multiple platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And it's so easy, even somebody like me can do it. Now download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And I know you hear me. Hey, this is Mercedes Lewis, former guest voice actress, Twitch streamer with Rainbow Mike Gaming, and Flynn's birthday twin. And you're listening to the I Know You Hear Me podcast. Are you needing some decals made? Maybe some vinyl or monograms? Then you need to go check out my wife's Etsy shop at Decals by Kins. That's K-Y-N-S. Go over to Etsy.com slash shop slash Decals by Kins, and you can check that in the show notes as well and see what she's done for other people and see what she can do for you. And I'm speaking from experience here. All of my water bottles, my protein bottles, they all have something that she's printed and put on there, and those things last. So if you need something like that for a gift, for your family, for your kids, or even for yourself go check out what she can do for you and as a special treat for my listeners if you use the promo code flynn that's f-l-y-n-n she's even going to get you 10 percent off your order now you can't beat that so go check it out and see what she can do for you and i know you hear me people have always asked me flynn how do i become a professional wrestler how do i become an actor how do i become a podcaster how do i get an agent Well, if you're somebody that's asked these questions, then I've got the solution for you. I'm now offering coaching options that will help you find the answers to these questions and get on the path to success. So if you've been held back by fear, overthinking, or just don't know where to start, email me at theflynnhendricks at gmail.com, use the subject line coaching, and let me get in your corner and help get you on the path to success. And I know you hear me. PWC Podcast with Rick Del Santo. For all your wrestling reviews, interviews, and news, Rick covers the United Wrestling Network, the NWA, and the Northeast region of the United States Independence. PWC, 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 in the zone. Hey guys, this is Wolfie D from PG-13. Check out my podcast, Live and in Color with Wolfie D, every Monday at noon. We're talking Memphis, we're talking ECW, WCW, WWF, everywhere that I've been. We even have some great guests, some Hall of Famers on the show with us. Every Monday at noon, Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Welcome back everybody to another awesome episode of the I Know You Hear Me podcast. For those of you just tuning in, you probably don't know my name by now, but for everybody else that's been tuning in, you already know my name. But let's go ahead and give the introduction for all the new folks. My name is Flynn Hendricks, and this is the I Know You Hear Me podcast. And I am so glad if this is your first time that you are checking out today's episode, because we have got an awesome guest. But before I get to our guest today, I've got to do the usual stuff here at the beginning. I've got to thank our sponsors, which... This week, Jimmy Street, Wolfie D, thank you guys again for 
choosing to advertise on this podcast. You guys are still kicking ass and taking names with your podcast, Live and in Color with Wolfie D. And I am just grateful that y'all want to be a part of this podcast as well. And Jimmy, your name's actually going to come back up here in just a little bit. So little little spoiler alert there. And then on top of that, guys, I also have another podcast out, Tales from the Haunt. Make sure you're checking that out as well if you're into all things spooky or you're just a fan of haunted houses. We go into a lot of in-depth coverage over things like what it takes to be a scare actor, why we became scare actors, how haunted houses work, and things you may not realize go on behind the scenes there just to make the attraction work, and especially with the things like pandemic still going on. We talk about how that's affected, you know, like the actor's morale and mentality. So there's a lot of awesome ground that we cover there. So that's available on all podcasting platforms just like this podcast here. So if you find it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Please go like it, leave it a five-star review and subscribe, and then share it with your friends. All of that helps out greatly. And then on top of that, we're on all social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I know I sound like a broken record every week, guys, but these likes, these follows, all of that greatly helps us out and it helps get the word out too. So if you could go give us a like, share the pages, share the posts about new guests and you know upcoming topics, that would be a huge help. And I know you hear me when I say I appreciate that. But now, without further ado, today's guest, man, this guy came as an immediate reference from former guest and this week's advertiser, Jimmy Street. You can also go back to season one and check out Jimmy's episode. He was actually one of our first guests on the podcast. And man, that guy has a powerful, powerful story. So go check it out. But... He introduced me to this guy, and he was like, man, you guys have to meet, you have to have him on the podcast, and it seems like every time we tried leading up to tonight, that, you know, we would get right there, and then life would get in the way, but hey, it's 2022, so, you know, like, what do you do at that point? But man, this guy, like, since I've been introduced, I've been getting into his music, and man, I'm not gonna lie, it has helped me get through some nights when... I have just been dragging, I've been tired, I haven't wanted to work out, and then on top of that too, I've seen his workout posts, I've seen his meal posts, and how he's getting himself back into gear too, so like that's just extra motivation, but this guy is a kick-ass musician, he is a vocalist, he is a guitar player, it is my honor to have on the podcast tonight, Tracy Bird. Tracy, how are you doing, man? Oh wow, I'm, I'm good, man, that's a that's a hell of an introduction, man. thank you, I'm uh... Flattered. Thanks. Oh, dude, it's, it's my pleasure. Like I said, I just want to make sure that I do my guests justice because I can't tell you how much I appreciate you like just taking your time with everything you've got going on outside of here to just, you know, sit down and shoot the breeze with me for a little bit. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. You know, anybody that knows me knows that I love to talk and, you know, would probably tell you that I love to hear the, the sound of my own voice <laughs> as well. <laughs> I mean, you... You'd you know, think with the voice actor thing, I'd say the same thing, but God, I still cringe at the sound of mine. So I'll let you have that one. <laughs> I uh, no, I you know that's the thing. I don't I don't like the sound of my own voice, but you know, people would argue that I do because I talk so much. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I got gotcha. you. But no, yeah, you know, it's it's uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Of and, course, uh, looking forward to it. Well, man, let's uh let's jump into it because, like I said, I've been chomping at the bit for a while to have you on here and. Now that we finally crossed that finish line to make it happen, let's let's make the most of it. So, take take me back to like the very beginning, and like tell me what got your attention, what made you want to get involved not only with music but also make you want to like just become a 
full-rounded performer, I guess, is the best way to say it. Because like I said in your introduction, guitar player, vocals, you know, like, how do you, how do you juggle that many responsibilities? And then what got you to, you know, want to do that? You know, honestly, <clears throat> for going back to the very, very, very beginning, the, uh, the impetus of everything, and this is no joke, um, what started it all for me was I was at a yard sale mm-hmm. with my mom. I was in like, I think, sixth grade at the time, so I was like 10 or 11, and she was at a yard sale of a friend of hers, and her daughter's boyfriend had some cassette tapes that he was selling for a buck a piece. Oh, nice. Yeah, and amongst, you know, and I was just starting to get into, you know, hard rock, you know, stuff like that, Mm -hmm. and um, so I, I, I found... Um, the two tapes in particular that I'd found that I was very interested in taking home because I just, I had to have them because of cover art and everything. And you know, and this is, this is going to sound so typical, but it, this is really how it was for me. It was ACDC's Who Made Who and their Highway to Hell album. Oh, solid and, choices. Well, yeah. You know, so I'm like two bucks. Okay. Right on. So, you know, I took those home, fell in love with them. And then from that point on, as as you do as a young as a young uh burgeoning rock and roller you you know you're watching mtv you're watching headbangers ball and Mm -hmm. you're learning about all these bands and you're going to get those cassettes and you know i hadn't graduated to cds yet (laughs) (laughs) so so then you know and 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 i don't know probably around the age of you know and this continued you know until like age 13 Mm -hmm. and I actually, I wanted to play drums at first because I wanted to be a drummer. Um, because I, there were a couple of guys in high, in well, junior high at that point for me, that um, were really, really good drummers, and they played in the high school band, but they also played in like the pep rally band that would play at the basketball. Yeah, and okay. And they had like you know the full drum kit and everything going on, and so. I'm like, well, I want to, and those guys were great on drums, you know. And every time I'd see them, I'm like, man, I want to play. I want to be a drummer. So, <clears throat> couldn't couldn't afford couldn't afford a full kit yet. So, right. my dad, my dad actually bought me a snare drum. And no word of a lie, after about three four months of learning like the basic rudiments and like patterns on the snare drum and stuff like that, <clears throat> I said, well, there's got to be a way. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is kind of weird tonight. Oh, you're fine, man. You're fine. So there's got to be a way, there's got to be a way that I can learn to play the drums with just a snare drum, <laughs> which is, you know, you hear someone say that, and I, even, even saying it to myself back then, I'm like, well, that's going to be impossible. But what I did, what I did, what I did, Flynn, is I just literally would set my snare drum up on its stand in front of a boom box in our, um, in our dining room, mm-hmm. on, a little, on a little end table in the dining room. I'd set the boot box on the end table and I'd set the snare drum in front of me and I would play along to Appetite for Destruction, you know, the Guns N' Roses. Oh, album. yeah. And so, you know, so I had the snare so I could hear that, but I was just doing the motions of everything else, like the hi hats hitting the cymbals, the kick pedal. I was just patting my foot on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I did that for probably a good solid six months, like every, every day, every day. I was practicing a lot of that. That's dedication, man. Damn. <laughs> so by the time, 
by the time, you know, my folks could afford it, you know, out of the goodness of their hearts, they bought me a, a five-piece uh, pearl export drum kit. Very by nice. the time I got it, I already knew how to play drums. So, because I would, I had been doing the pantomiming the motions for that long, that it just wow. was like, okay, now everything's in front of me, and I know what I'm hitting. So, that's, that's how I learned how to play drums. Um, and then after that, like, I decided, well, I want to play guitar, too. So, my Uncle Mike <laughs> sold me a, like, 1960, I wish I still had this guitar, too. It's probably worth a fortune now. Oh, man. Um, sold me, like, a 1962 model Harmony guitar with, like, the, you know, the, the tobacco sunburst finish and, like, the the gross, like, 60s tortoise shell guitar. <laughs> and, um, but, yeah, and I, so I started learning learning guitar and cut to about a year later. Um I was playing guitar and drums, and about a year later, I actually started taking, and I was able to pick out certain things on my own, right, um, with guitar. But I wasn't necessarily, I was pretty much self-taught up until about a year later. I, I had a guy uh, named Mike Clark who gave me guitar lessons. He was a he was a local guy, and the reason I met him was because I went to church with him. And he was he was the former he was like the, the former rocker turned. Like, you know, the former, like, drug addict. You right, know, right. Turned his he, life he, around. He, he, hedonistic rocker guy turned Christian rocker. You know? so, yeah. Um, but he would, he, would, he would still teach me all kinds. All right, this, don't tell anybody I taught you this. This is how you play smoke on the water. You know, <laughs> or, you know whatever. <laughs> so, or this, is how play, uh, this is how you play crazy train. Okay. So, so yeah, that took about maybe six to 12, I think it was, lessons from him. And, that's that's how I learned how to play guitar, and from there I was just pretty much self-taught. Uh, from learning how to guitar, learning how to play the guitar, I learned how to play bass uh, because bass is just you know, you're following along with the guitar or just the root notes, so that was kind of easy to figure out. And but yeah, I started I started all that like I said when I was around 12, 13 years old. And I'm forty five now. <laughs> Dude, that is some dedication. Guitar. So yeah, and I was in my I was in my first band when I was fourteen. We were called Viper. Man, so I got a, I got a few questions, and I, I think I know the answer to this already just based off what you were saying and all that, but, you know, like, your dad buys you the snare drum, then both your parents buy you the, uh, the five-piece set later on, and then your Uncle Mike sells you the guitar. As your yeah. family, um, I may be jumping to conclusions here, but it sounds like your family was pretty supportive as they saw this interest, like, start developing in you. Were they were they pretty much on board with it and encouraging you to continue following it, or were they just like, well, this is just a phase, but it's keeping him out of trouble, so we'll you know we'll support it right now, but we know he'll grow out of it. I think at first it was you know well this is the phase, this is something he's interested in, and you know hopefully he'll stick with it, but probably not. You know right so right. I think, I think they were just trying to placate me at the time, you know, like okay, well, like you said, maybe he'll stay out of trouble if he's got this going on and stuff like that, and. Um, but yeah, after after they saw that I was sticking with it, and I was, you know, like I said, by the time I was fourteen, I was in a, in a band, and uh, you know, they didn't. They, I don't think they've ever cared <laughs> for the type of music that I chose. Right, um, right. You know, which that's that's parents, right? That's what. They of do, course, but, yeah. <laughs> but um, but I think uh, I think after after they saw like even though they didn't like the music or you know the the type of music I was playing. They saw that it was an outlet for me, and it was a way to express myself and uh, kind of come out of my shell, my shell, so to speak. Because I was, I, I you know, look, <laughs> I make no bones about it. I'm, I'm still a dork, but 
Okay. You know, I was I'm right there with you. Dork. I was an even bigger dork back then. So, and you that's... know, the fact that I the fact that I was able to, uh, you know, kind of latch onto something, and that they they saw that I could be creative, and kind of you know come out of my shell, so to speak. I think they they really they really enjoyed seeing that, and I I give my parents all the credit in the world, if not for them. You know, I don't know if I, I would I would be a musician. So absolutely, they, they, definitely, they definitely spurred me early on. You know, they they, they never said don't. You know, they never said no, I wish you would do that. They always said you know just be as best you can. You know, that's Keep it. Practicing, you know, and I, so that's that's what I did. Man, I love I just love hearing stories of parents and families that are that supportive of somebody chasing their dreams. Like that is just amazing in my book. So I I gotta, I gotta know about this because I can only imagine, like I've heard horror stories, uh, you know, like even referencing things that Jimmy went through, you know, like when he had his own bands and he was a little bit older than you when he started his, or, you know, he got involved with his, but what's it like starting and joining a band like so young at 14 how does that work? Like, how do you process everything that goes into that? Well, from, you know, from my personal experience, I mean, we were just playing covers as, as bands, as mm-hmm. bands tend to do when they first began or whatnot. Um, so these, there were already songs that we were familiar with and that everybody in the band was familiar with. And right. there were songs, that we all, they were, they were, they were songs that we all agreed to do and everything like that. But at, you know, at the same time, like there's a, I'm sure, I'm sure. I'm sure Jimmy would agree with this. Um, there's a there's a certain there's a there's a direction. There's a purpose, but there's a not knowing what the hell you're doing. Right. <laughs> kind of thing going on too, because it's also new, and you know you don't know how you're gonna you're gonna interact with these people unless you're friends with them beforehand. Which mm-hmm. you know, back in those days, all the guys that I was in a band with, I was already friends with. So, um, but still, you know, there were. It even comes up in your first bands, man. You know, there's the ego fights. And, of course. You know, the, uh, <laughs> I, um, as a matter of fact, <laughs> the uh, guitar player in my first band that I was in uh, left the band because I was getting better at guitar than him. <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> oh, was, man. And every every rehearsal, I'd pick up, you know, his or our guitar player, our other guitar player, Kevin's. I was the drummer. Um I'd, you know, pick up their guitars and be noodling around before we'd start practicing or whatever. He didn't really like that. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I, he left because I was, man, I think you should try to, you know, it's, it's funny teenage crap now. Yeah. You should take the place just one guitar, you know, I'm leaving, you know, and it was a big dramatic to do. Absolutely. You know, stupid, stupid teenage stuff, really, when you think about it. But, no, I mean, I guess... I guess when you're first starting out like that, there, like I said, there's no, there's no plan really. There's just, there, they're kind of like, like I said, there's kind of, okay, we want to do this. We want to sound like this. We want right. to do this. <clears throat> those things are all discussed and decided upon. But as far as like the execution of those things, none of us had a clue of what we were doing. You know? <laughs> so. Understandable. Understandable. So I got another question and all that, because you just said, you know, in that band you play drums, but, you know, earlier you mentioned you could play guitar, you could play bass, and we also know, like, vocals, too. How did you decide that, like, drums were the best fit for you in this band? Was it like uh, everybody had a vote for who plays what, or was it just kind of like you volunteered? How did you determine that drums were the best fit for that? I think I was the only drummer that was around. Gotcha, <laughs> that was, gotcha. That was, playing, that, was playing, that was playing the kind of stuff that, 
you know, a couple of other guys wanted to play. So, and I had a drum kit and I had a spare room to practice in at my house. So, I mean, I, I think by default, they're like, okay, well, you're the drummer, you know, and I'm like, okay, I'll be the drummer. So, right, right. Um, and then, you know, we, and by that point too, I had already kind of like, you know, again, typical kid stuff, you know, you're singing along to stuff in the shower, whatever else. And, um, I would, I would sing, uh, songs at, at our practices mm-hmm. and, because we didn't have a singer at the time. Right. And, and they were just like, well, you should just sing, you know, and play drums. And I'm like, well, I can't sing and play drums at the same time. Oh <laughs> man. I, I, was, I was 14. You know, I wasn't Phil Collins or anything like that, you know, so I'm like, I, uh, so then we got a different drummer who, uh, a guy by the name of Chris White, who is still friends with me now. He's, he's, I've been friends with that guy since 1990. Um, he's, he's played in Blitz Kid with me. He's, he's, he's there. He's the drummer for Gathering of None, my other band. So yeah, that's when I first met Chris and Chris was better than me on drums. So we just said, okay, well, Chris is going to play drums. Right, <laughs> right. But, but, but the great thing is, and like I said, this, this goes back to like having no clue or just not, not only having no clue, but just working with the resources that you're given mm-hmm. or that you have at your disposal, I guess at the time you didn't have a PA, right? So we were singing, I was singing through a guitar amp just on the clean channel of a guitar amp yeah. in our, in our, in our spare room of my mom and dad's house. <laughs> so what we would do, and we had no microphone, so what we would do is we figured out that if we put a pair of headphones into the input jack of, because, you know, there's there's the, the there's the speakers, there's the microphones, there's the speaker mic, mics on the headphones, right? So mm-hmm. we figured out if we plug in the speaker, uh, sorry, the headphones into the amp, and <laughs> literally, no word of a lie, put it over my face with, the front headphone over my mouth, like like a like a surgical mask, and the back headphone just kind of like hanging out on the back of my head. That we had oh, vocals, inside, and I could sing that way. Wow. So yeah, that was that was how we got vocals, you know, for the first, you know, band before I just decided, okay, well, I'm going to be the singer. So yeah, interesting, interesting, and uh, interesting and uh, fun times back then. There, Absolutely. Those, those salad days as <laughs> and very creative on top of that but <laughs> in a situation <laughs> we're gonna say it sounded good in my mind i'm just gonna say it sounded good but uh <laughs> in a situation like that too going back to you know like your your guitar player quitting how do you uh how do you rebound from that how do you process like okay this guy's upset that he thinks i'm playing the guitar better than him or whatever it may be like how do you rebound from a situation like that and try to keep the other bandmates together or do you just kind of go with the flow and let it be at that point? It's a combination too of the two, you know, you kind of go, okay, well, what are we going to do versus well, we're just kind of go with what we did is like I said, a combination of the two. We said, well, eventually we're going to need another guitar player, but for now mm-hmm. we're not playing a lot of stuff that has a great need for this, like, shreddy you know amazing lead guitar player so our our guitar player kevin was just holding it down for a while and right then you know as as i got better at being able to sing and play guitar at the same time uh it was you know same as, as far as like you know you should just be the singer uh same thing with this they say oh you should just play guitar you know play guitar and sing 
okay. So that's how that's that band and that situation was how I started playing guitar and singing. Man, and, <laughs> and, it, and like I said, this was back in like 1991. I saw because I was 14 years old. And I I tried to pick up guitar when I was around. I guess it was 17 or 18. I learned a few things, and I could. Man, I don't know. I'm not gonna say I'm the most coordinated person by any stretch. And what I did learn was nothing, nothing impressive, nothing over the top. But I couldn't even imagine trying to pick a guitar up now and strum a few strings. It would just be awful. So, like, how did you? How was it for you, multitasking and being able to sing and play guitar? Like, how did that whole thing? Like, how did you like? keep your mind in in the right lane, not get panicked or not get overwhelmed and get into something like that. That just fascinates me. Honestly, and I, you know, I don't, I don't say this to sound, I hope it doesn't come across this way. Uh, I don't say this to sound arrogant or conceited mm-hmm. or whatnot, but once I started doing it and just practicing it day in and day out, because like I said, I would, when the band was not practicing, I was up in my spare room at my mom and dad's house playing guitar. Right. And, I would do that for three or four hours a day. Um, and then once I started singing, I was practicing playing guitar and singing. So, you know, after so much, and then, you know, and at first, don't get me wrong, it was it was rough going at first because you have to kind of, because obviously vocal patterns aren't necessarily the same kind of thing that you're doing on guitar. You're not playing, you're not singing along to a riff the exact way the riff's being played. Absolutely. So you have to kind of learn, you know, strumming and like, timing and all that kind of thing and after i did it just you know it just kind of it just kind of it came naturally to me really and i uh after i after i kind of was like okay i got to hear this um it just got easier and i don't know and I'm, I'm very blessed in that regard because i don't know how many other people who could just pick it up and just go okay well i'm just gonna practice it until i get it right. and then they get it and they just you know and then it's like second nature it's been like that for me ever since um you know, with with um, the one the one big difference that I, that I have noticed now is because a gathering of nuns music is a little more complex, a little more um, riffy, I guess, a little more mm-hmm. hard rock metal kind of sound than my other two bands, Blitzkid and Dragon. Um, with Aegon with Aegon stuff, I don't I write I write a lot of the songs. Um, but I don't. But I notice that I can't sing them and play them at the same time because, again, it's it's a little more um, it's a little more complex as far as what the guitars are doing and uh, things like that. So, with uh, a gathering of none, it's it's almost like I've come full circle. Like I would have to sit down if I were to do that in a gathering of none, I would probably have to sit down for a few months and go, okay, I need to learn how to sing and play these songs. <laughs> so, right. so it's kind of kind of it's kind of neat because you know it's kind of. I would be, it would almost be like going back to the very beginning for me, you know, with that band. But with Blitzkid and Dragnon, it's more, it's more three, four chord, you know, fast punk stuff. So mm-hmm. I mean, that's not, that's not too difficult. But um, yeah, with a gathering or none, I would definitely have to. If there was a situation where you know one of our guitar players were to leave or something like that, now when they, you know, everybody decides, okay, well, you should just sing and play guitar because you're a guitar player as well. I would, I would literally have to sit down for a few months and go, okay, wait. A <laughs> I gotta, I gotta do my homework on this. And right. Get, get my chops, get my chops back up for this stuff. So I gotcha. So going back to the vocals, I want to focus on that for a second. Um, because especially you know, like coming from the voice actor side of things, 
you know, they say like you find your niche or you find kind of like what ranges and I guess, you know, like where your voice fits into things when it comes to like your bands and the song choices and everything like that. How did you discover your vocal range and like what you could do with your, you know, with what, with what God gave you basically. And then on top of that, like what were your warm ups or what did you do to kind of like get yourself warmed up to get ready for those, uh, you know, for the vocal sessions and everything. What was all that like? To be perfectly honest with you, I have not done any warm ups for my vocal sessions for like recording anything like that. And up until about six years ago, <laughs> because, um, I never, I never felt like I needed it. And again, that's, that's, again, that's going to sound arrogant, but that's not the case. It's just, I just, you know, coming from the whole, you know, punk rock mm-hmm. side of things, you know, it was, it was more or less just because, you know, with Blitzkid, yes, we're a punk rock band, but we also sing, you know, there, there's not just two dudes, there's not two dudes just screaming or yelling or whatnot. We actually sing and we harmonize, you know, very similar to bands like Face to Face, Bad Religion, stuff like that. So I don't know. I, again, it was just with, with Blitzkid in particular, we just kind of did it, you know, and, um, again, I, <laughs> to, to quote the great Jake, the snake Roberts, I was given an innate ability. <laughs> oh, man, God, I, I love know? that reference. I love it. <laughs> so, um, and it never singing as far as what my, my, my vocal style is, what my range is. I've, I've, I've come to the conclusion that over the years I've, I've, I'm a tenor, I'm a high tenor, um, and maybe not maybe not so much a high tenor as the years have gone on. Maybe just a tenor now. <laughs> um, <laughs> over the years, you know, I I just discovered that I was a tenor, and people that were in the know about those sort of things would say that I was, "Oh, you're a tenor," you know, because I would ask because I didn't know. You know? Right, right. You're talking, you're talking about someone who had six six to twelve guitar lessons. That's the only. I was in high school band and stuff, and I could sight read to play, um, you know, trumpet or some shit. Yeah, like that. But, same here. But I, you know, but I wasn't. But I was never. I was never a student of you know music theory, or I was never you know hip to what that means for a vocalist or what that means for guitar or right. whatever. I, mean, I, I can read guitar tabs. I could tell you what what fret is what note. And stuff like that but um yeah again i just i think it was just um again very very blessed absolutely you know, somebody out somebody out there likes me and they said you know look you know this 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 kid we're gonna we're gonna give him a voice that he's eventually gonna know how to use right <laughs> and and you know it's just gonna be it was it's a lot of trial and error really for me as far as like my singing voice goes um, I don't feel personally that I felt that I kind of fell into my own um, vibe or like quote unquote found my voice mm-hmm. until around 2003, which was Blitzkid had put out our um, our fourth album. It was called uh, Trace of a Stranger. And, you know, being that we were a horror rock band and, you know, certainly Misfits and The Damned and AFI kind of inspired, mm-hmm. you, tend to, you tend to try to... Um, not not sound like those those bands on purpose, but you're you're influenced by them, no doubt. Absolutely. And, and you try to um, you try to incorporate some of those vocal stylings, as it were, into what you're doing in Blitzkid. And by that point, I was just like, you know what, man, I don't 
I don't want to sound like Glenn Danzig or Davey Havoc or Dave Vanian. I want to sound like TV. Yeah, like exactly. Me. So I just kind of, I kind of ditched all the, you know, Elvisy crooning type stuff, which I can do. I love, I love it. It sounds cool, but you know, I'm like, if I don't, if we don't separate ourselves in this genre, which is so so saturated and just so many horrible bands that just want to just create the misfits or the Danzig template and just run with it and be like the 4,000th iteration of that sound. Mm. Like that's not for me, man. You know, and that was, that was always one thing that we always tried to do with Blitz Kid is we said, okay, yeah, we have those influences, but that's not all all we are. Absolutely. Yes, we have, we have influences from Danzig. Yes, we have influences from AFI. Yes, we have influences from the damned. You know, but we also have influences from TSOL, from Bad Religion, from Strung Out, from No Use for a Name, from Face to Face. You know, uh, so we always we always strive to just be uh, who we were. You know, after like I said, especially around that album, Trace and Stranger came out in 2003. Um, I think on that album we kind of not just me vocally, but just um, as a band, we all we we kind of started finding our own sound and. You know, incorporating all the elements that we liked from everybody that we listened to, but kind of developing our own thing at that point. That's that's right. Like I said, right around that time was when I really kind of went, okay. So if I just sing like me, and people still like it, and I like it, then I'm just gonna sing like me because Absolutely. I felt like up to that point, those were the best vocals that I had done on an album because and- I wasn't trying to do anything else but just be me so man and that's kind of when i that's kind of when i fell into my own voice um you know and like i said blitz kid began in 1997 so for six years you know we were we were learning and there were growing pains along the way of course of course we kind of let's kid kind of just we were just kind of like somebody hitting a somebody somebody described it to me recently as as let's kid early on was you know it was just complete chaos and it was just like somebody hitting a hitting a brick wall with a baseball bat, <laughs> just, um, you know, because there were no, there were no rules. We didn't, we didn't know what we were doing. I mean, like, right. And we didn't start using tuners till like 2011. And we were together from 1997 to 2012. Woo, so, man. So, I mean, so, so yeah, we were just kind of very flat by the seat of our pants and not give not give a shit and just, you know, go, go full on full bore. And, and I think in the long run, that kind of helped us in a way because I think people could identify with that energy. You know what I mean? Absolutely. They, they said, Holy crap, you know, these guys are just going for it. I like this, you know, so that, that helped us out tremendously, but you know, at the same time, now we're, now we're all older. Now we're a little more uh, seasoned and being musicians and whatnot. So now we, we still go full bore, but we do it with tuners and stuff now. So right. Right. <laughs> we, we do it. We do it the way we should have started <laughs> doing Man. it now. So so much of that just spoke to me on a on a level that I wasn't really expecting because like so much of what you just said like inadvertently related to voiceover for me especially like you said you know like singing in your own natural voice and you liked it other people liked it like in the voiceover world that's what they call finding your authentic self or becoming friends with your authentic self however you want to phrase it but it's like that's what more people need. And I love the fact that you guys were 
just like dead set, we're not going to stay in this safe, we're not going to fall on this safety cushion or stay in this comfort zone that everybody else does and just gets lost in the shuffle because they're, you know, cover band 4000 of, of Danzig or whatever it may be. I love that you guys were just willing to be that brave and ballsy to separate yourself from the pack and go out there and have fun. Cause I mean, that's a 15 year run right there. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, we had a, you know, we had a great, and you know, now we're, now we're back together. We reunited and we did a reunion show in 2019 for a friend of ours that passed away. And oh man. After that, we kind of all sat around in the hotel room and we were like, you know, somber occasion. Yes. But at the same time, like it was so fun to play those songs again. And, um, it was, it was just and like the love that people showed us that, you know, like, dude, people cry. Like, and I'm just like, what? You know? Um, yeah. Like, and so they were so happy to, they were so happy to see us back. So we just kind of sat in the hotel room, you know, the, the day after, you know, and uh, everybody was like, well, that's fun, man. We'll have to do that again. And absolutely. We'll have to do that again turned into our old, old booking agent like, contacting us, going, yo, He's like, I saw the uh, I saw the reunion show you guys did. Man, that was crazy. You guys sold that place out, and people were still loving it. People were stage diving, singing along, and like, man, are you guys going to do anything after this? And we're like, well, we talked about it, you know. And he's like, I would have booked a tour. So hell yeah, you, you guys want a tour? Let's tour. And so we said okay. And then you know, COVID hit, and ah, the world <laughs> went crazy. We're still waiting. To, we're still waiting to do that tour. Oh, man, <laughs> I I know the feeling. So, dude, tell me about that, though. Like, you mentioned three different bands that you've been involved in. But when yeah. you've had a band that's lasted that long, that goes on hiatus, takes a break, whatever you want to say, however you want to describe it in 2012, and then seven years later, you guys get back together. Like, did you guys all keep in contact during that time? Were you all on good terms? Or was it just... You know, unfortunately, like losing a friend that just brought everybody back together, and then it's like, why did we ever, you know, take that time apart? What was it like for that? Yeah, I mean, you know, myself and the bass player, uh, guy named guy named Steve Matthews, otherwise known as Argyle Goolsby, um, he and I have been friends since '96, and we started we started Blitzkid together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, there was that there was just that bond between he and I that you know we still had but because of the because of the band kind of breaking up and calling it quits there was there was a little bit of friction with he and i for a little while right you know i don't i don't think we began speaking regularly again probably until we would speak you know we we would check in see i see i each other were doing and whatnot yeah but we and you know but again you know it was it was like a marriage breaking up so you know you don't want to talk to <laughs> you don't want to talk to the person that's you know you spent so much time with and now you're you know kind of leaving and you want it to be kind of part of your past and that was the biggest reason that Blitzkid broke up is because we were at a place at that point in 2012 where he's living in uh, West Virginia mm-hmm. and I was living in New England now it's reversed he lives in New England I live in West Virginia it's kind of funny <laughs> but um, you know there was just a, there was just a t- there was just like a I, th- I think there was a feel for myself there was a feeling of burnout and just, oh of course you know um, I, I just wanted to do something different and not be in that horror rock 
box anymore. Yeah, and absolutely. So that's, that's, that's totally why I started a gathering of none because it's something different and it was a challenge and it, you know, gave me the opportunity to start over from scratch. So that's, and I honestly, man, like we toured so much, man, we toured from 20, sorry, sorry, 20, <laughs> from 2004 until 2012. Whew, man. We played, we toured, we toured Europe 18 times in that, in that wow. time span. We toured coast to coast probably six times. We did, Dude. we played Brazil, we played Canada, we played Russia. Um, man, in, in man. 2006 alone, in 2006 alone from January until November of 2006, we played 265 shows. Wow. Yeah. Dude, so, you, now I can see where the burnout comes from for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, and like and there again, you know, at the, at the, at the time I was, I, I had just, I just got married, and you know, I just wanted to, I just wanted to be home more, you know, and um, of course, for me, it was just, like I said, I was just kind of burnt out, and um, I mean, and it came in an, in, in an inopportune time because we had just gotten signed to Century Media Records, mm-hmm. which is. Uh, which is a subdivision of either, either Sony or Sony. Yeah, it's a subdivision of Sony Records now. So they're an independent label, but they were owned by Sony. So you know we're basically signed to a a, a major independent. Yeah. As well say. So, and I just had enough. <laughs> like I during the during the recording of our last record, I was just like I, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> so, inopportune time. So there was there was some. There was some, uh, like I said, there was some friction over that because, you know, Goolsby was kind of left holding the bag with everything. Yeah. Because I, I left. I left. I, I didn't, you know, um, the album was, I, I finished the record and I'm like, that's it. You know, and I did one more tour in like January, February of 2011. That was it. Man. And then, um, and then the label kind of like, uh, your name's on the contract still, pal. You got a tour and, uh, you know, you got obligations to tour this record. So I had to tour the record. Um, so that, like I said, that lasted for all of 2011. And then 2012, you know, we kind of figured out that things were still kind of as they were. You know, I didn't I didn't want to continue. And he didn't want to stop necessarily. Right. But he didn't want to – I don't think he wanted to continue if I wasn't on board. So we kind of – we kind of – begrudgingly said okay well you know let's let's just call it and uh you know like i said there was there was definitely a couple years there where we were we didn't hate one another right like but it was just awkward you know like it was just one of those things of where you're still friends you still love each other but it's just it's just very awkward because you had this magical thing and this bond between you and now you don't have that you're still friends you still love one another. You still care about one another. You're still there for each other. But at the same time, like there was that, what bonded us was broken. You know, it was gone. Yeah. So, you know, it was kind of hard for he and I to kind of to kind of come to a place where okay, we're not in we're not in that band anymore, but we're still friends. You know, right, right. Even though even, even though we became friends because of that band, you know, and everything else. We're still friends, so we're you know. So, like I said, it, it took a couple years afterward. Um, it was it was really it was really difficult, and it sucked because you know that's one of my best friends. I love of him. course, and yeah. 
<laughs> to like to, to talk to him and it'd be awkward every time just sucked yeah you know, for me i'm sure it did for him too been uh, there done that i, I know it does for sure like i said there was never any there was never any bad blood there was never any like well fuck you i'll never speak to you again or anything like that it's, yeah we had just come to a point where we both wanted different things and with the band situation and uh we just decided okay 2012 that's it and then like i said our uh, our buddy jason uh trox and it was in a band that we used to play all the time tour with together mr monster they're based out of new jersey mm-hmm. jason passed away in uh, late 2018 so the idea comes up in 2019 we were approached to do um this thing called the trioxin tribute in new jersey and um Jason would Jason would want this kid to play. So right. we said, okay. We said, okay. <laughs> you know, so we'll do it for our buddy. And, you know, but like I said, by that point, you know, Ghost and I were good. You know, we, we had our, we had our come to Jesus moments and we talked out all of our shit. Uh, we got, um, got everything that we needed to say to one another out of the way and not, you know, and it, there were, and that was, that was a cool thing too, because there was, there was no yelling. There's no, like, there's no pointing fingers. It was just, you know, well, Here's what I think, and here's what I think. And we just kind of, I don't want to say reconciled, because there was nothing to reconcile, really, but it was just kind of, I think we understood one another a little bit better mm-hmm. after we kind of talked everything out. Absolutely. And, you know, um, and it wasn't there wasn't that awkwardness anymore, so because we kind of all, we kind of both just laid it out to each other and said, okay, look, this is, this is why I was a little bit angry, or this is why I was a little bit weird with you, during this point and then you know we're going back years right so we just kind of we just kind of had a therapy session one night on the phone and it lasted about three four hours and wow. uh, after that ever, ever since then man we're good you know um but like i said after the trioxin tribute you know being that things were good and we had a lot of fun and it was just there was no there was no obligation it was just let's get up there and kick ass one more time for our buddy you know absolutely and uh, and you know, judging by the, the fact that the place was sold out and the fact that we had people driving from, people flew in from like California and shit to see that show. Man, New Jersey, oh man. Right? Yeah. People came from, people came from the UK to see that show. You know, so. Wow. Yeah, so we were oh, just like, well, wow. wait a minute. Dude. Wait a minute. You know, this feels good. Why did we stop? Yeah. <laughs> so, man. So we, so we actually, you know, we kind of said, okay, we're gonna we're gonna leave it open to maybe do this again at some point, and then, like I said, our old booking agency. I, I keep saying, like I said, I apologize. Um, our old booking agent contacted us and was and was like, "Hey, I saw the show, the show footage, the reunion you guys did. It was awesome. You guys sold that place out. You guys kicked ass. What are you guys gonna do from here? You know?" Mm-hmm. And we said, "Well, we talked about it. We're open to doing whatever." And initially, what we wanted to do. Um, we said we'd like to just go out and do do fly-ins, you know, from like Thursday to Friday or like Thursday to Sunday. Yeah. In different parts of the country, you know. And he's like, "That's going to get really expensive for you guys. Plus, it's going to not." He's like, "It's not going to maximize the amount of eyes that you know I want to get on you guys." So we said, "Okay, you know, book us a tour then." So they did, and like I said, then then COVID hit. <laughs> Yeah, and here we are. Here we are. We're, we postponed the tour three times now. So, wow. Yeah. 
Jeez, man, that's uh, that's insane. Like, I, I hate to say that we're still dealing with the pandemic, but unfortunately, here we are. But like, man, it's just it's amazing though. Like, just how all that fell into place. The reconciliation was there, and the biggest thing that keeps coming to my mind through all of that is just it had to be so cathartic to not only you know, have the conversation and mend the fence and, you know, get that awkward tension out of the way, but then also get back to something that y'all had put so much time and love and passion into. Like, I can't even imagine how that felt for everybody. That, that just, that's so powerful. It, yeah, it was, it was, it was really cool. Um, you know, and it, uh, we've, we've heard, we've heard from a lot of people over the years that, you know, man, when you and Goals be good on stage, you guys just have this magic together and it's like, we don't have to try. Yeah. And, um, and it's true. Like every time, every time we're on stage together, it's just, it's just there, you know, and that came from, that's probably, you know, because of the fact that we were so similar in our musical interests early on and, you know, had the same ideas and, uh, what we wanted for the band. We, that's the thing. Like when Blitz get started, we never said, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And we never even said we're going to be a horror band. We just right. Kind of, we just we just kind of started writing songs in that in that vein and um it just kind of morphed into its own thing and we just kind of you know followed the muse so to speak and absolutely said, okay okay that's that's what we're doing now <laughs> so that's what it became and you know initially being from bluefield by god west virginia you know town of less than twenty five thousand people we just wanted to go out and get the get the heck out of Dodge, man. We just of wanted course. to go play. Yeah. Places. Just wanted to get out of Bluefield. Even if it was just for a weekend. Right, right. So that morphed into us getting out of Bluefield for, you know, two or three days at a time. Then that morphed into us getting out of Bluefield for, you know, a week at a time or then two weeks at a time. To eventually what it became in 2006 where I was home a hundred days out of the year and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> Quite the difference there. Quite the difference. But man, yeah, like, it just, and it, you know, it just, it just kind of became this this thing that just kind of blew up, literally. And um, we never, we never questioned it. No, we never. And you know the, the oh, I forget the, I forget what movie it's from, but you know the 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 chick, you know, uh, you know, I never try anything. I just do it. That's kind of that's kind of what we did with Blitzkid. You know, we just we just said, well, you know, let's try and see what happens. Absolutely. And I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of, of the best mentality to have there. So like, that's it. I mean, it's, and it's a beautiful ride in the process too. But Absolutely. one thing I really want to focus on, I think it's probably the last question I have, but it's going to be a big one just because okay. you mentioned burnout setting in at such a pivotal time for you and the band. Um, first off, you know, kudos to you for, being willing to walk away from that to put your mental health and sanity first. But as that was coming on, it's, this is going to be a multi-layered question here, but you know, did you feel like the different things, like just the exhaustion and everything setting in beforehand, were you able to communicate that, you know, like to the band members at the time or to those around you that were close to you? And then in the future, once you got past this incident, were you able to be more aware of those signs as they were coming on and other endeavors that you did and kind of figure out ways to counteract it so that you didn't hit that point again? Yeah. And, you know, I think, um, what, what 
prompted it for me was I just I just felt like because you know I like touring I love right I love being on the road I love playing but we were doing so much of it man without a break you know we'd have like a week week or two break here and there or like a month or two break here and there and we were just on the road all the time and you know when you're not talking and when you're talking about independent bands as you know being an independent you know wrestler yourself those two those two lifestyles parallel so much you know you're not talking about you know five star hotels or you know room service we're talking you know oh let's hit up super eight and hope that they got a double bed yeah and you know hopefully a continental breakfast in the morning and let's you know hope that the 50 bucks the promoter paid us out of a 250 dollar guarantee we were supposed to get gets us to the next town you know um it's it's like that every day, and but I think and but I think I learned, well, we, I think what well, we all did. I think we all learned so much about ourselves and what we could take and what we could stomach, you know, and to do what we loved, so to speak. You know, you learn you learn so much about yourself in that situation because it's Absolutely. a feast or famine, man. Very you know, and that's, very that, true. And that's the thing I think a lot of people. You know, especially a lot of people back back home here are like, oh, yeah, it must, it must suck. You guys get to see the country and go on tour, yeah, be rock stars. I'm like, did you have no fucking idea, man? Like, yeah. We're lucky, we're lucky if we get, you know, waters from the venue. You know, we're lucky if they buy us a couple of pizzas or something, you know? Yeah. They have no clue. And, and what, what country am I seeing? I'm seeing it from a windshield. That's it. You know, we're not getting to stop in like Chicago and go to the fountain where that's in Married with Children and yeah. be like, hey, oh, oh my God, that would be amazing. But yeah, you're, I mean, you're exactly right, and it, it's crazy too because so much of that even relates to just professional wrestling and like the independent road trips I've made because I, I've been there. I've been so gung ho, just got to get out of town. Don't care if it's for a day. Don't care if it's for a weekend. I've got to go perform somewhere. I've got to do this. But nine times yeah. out of ten, you're just—it's literally windshield time. Yeah, absolutely. You're seeing, you're seeing America through a windshield. That's, yep. that's it. You know. And yeah. it's it's exactly like you said too. There are people back home, or just anybody that I guess that's entitled to an opinion or right, wrong, indifferent, will say, you know, like, well, how bad can it be? You're getting to go out and do this. Yeah, it's true, but there's still sacrifices that come with it that you may not see. And that's that's a big thing that people don't really tend to focus on because it's it's not the sexy you know news headline or it's not the big thing that people really want to talk about. So exactly. it kind of exactly. just falls by the wayside. And with the you know with the with the independent wrestling scene, you know it's even worse for you guys. Oh boy! You know you're not. You know, at least at least we're getting you know fifty seventy five bucks for gas or whatever. Some nights you guys are like, oh, they're like, here's a hot dog. Yeah. You know, Got to fight for it. Got to steal a microphone. Got to do something if they don't honor what they told you they were going to pay you. It's a it's a yeah, never ending thing. But man, but yeah, there's there's uh there's there, yeah there's so many parallels between that and uh, and being an independent wrestler. And so oh, I, have, absolutely. I have all respect in the world for for guys and gals that do it because I know I kind of I kind of know what they're going through. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. And that's that's the thing too. Like, there's so many similarities, and it it still blows my mind to this day how much like being a wrestler for so long has just opened my eyes to like everything around me. Because the same things you experience there are the same things like you know, obviously different genre, but the same things you experienced 
in your travels, in your days performing, like, and then it's the same things you see, you know, in the real world, in a, in a job setting, like, it's just, it's all universal, but it's just sometimes under a different umbrella. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Man. um, I remember very, very vividly, you know, uh, that, that particular summer of 06, they, uh, the lovely folks at Taco Bell had just released the cheesy bean and rice burrito. Oh, that was my for, favorite. <laughs> for 89 cents. Yes. That's what we ate all summer because it was cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so, and guess who didn't eat Taco Bell for a good six months after he got back from that little stunt on the road? Oh, survey <laughs> says. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, yeah, the last thing I wanted was Taco Bell after I got back from that thing. Uh, of course, of course. But uh, and I the sodium the sodium levels in our body were probably like off the freaking. Oh my too. god! <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine at that point. But man, oh that! Thanks for reminding me that I'm never gonna have that kind of burrito again. But that was uh <laughs> that was the easy go to back in the day, and I didn't realize how much I missed that now. Thank you. <laughs> Especially when it was eighty nine cents, right? Now yes. Oh my god. dollar. Yeah, inflation <laughs> at its finest. But man, right. dude, like, I can't believe we've been going for almost an hour here. Like this has just been, I do. I've enjoyed this this ride that we've been on. Like I've just been so enthralled the entire time. So like, thank you Same. for being willing yeah. to come on here and share your story. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you know, if everybody wants to check out uh, any of the bands, you know, you could head over to uh, a Gathering of None has a Facebook. Blitzkid has a Facebook. Drag None has a Facebook. Uh, gatheringandnone.bandcamp.com we got our entire discography on there if you guys want to check that out blitzkit.com um, or let's see yeah and the, the uh, Blitzkid merch if you want Blitzkid merch uh, there's it's a Corpse With No Name productions but it's the website for the store for Blitzkid merch is acwnnsprod.com and that'll take you to the store link and you can get Blitzkid merch if you'd like Gathering of None, we have a big cartel as well. It's a gatheringofnone.bigcartel.com. Uh, give us a like, give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and you know I'm I'm a pretty personable guy. If you guys, you know, anybody out there listening wants to give me a shout, just feel free to hop in the DMs and say, "Hey, what's up? Checked out your band, sucked," or you know, <laughs> "Checked out your band, I loved it." You know, either way, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm I'll take whatever. You know, absolutely. And guys, we'll have links to all of that in the show notes down there because I want you guys to check out this music. It is some good quality stuff. Like I said at the beginning, I had to use some of this stuff to wake myself up as I'm dragging at 10.30 at night. I'm old. I didn't want to go work out, but if you get that going in your headphones, you've got to get out and do something active at that point. It was a nice wake up. I enjoy it, and I'm a music snob, so... If I enjoy it, I am almost 100% confident in saying you will too. So I'm going to make sure I've got links to everything Tracy just plugged in the show notes so you can go check it out and get your ears on it and get everybody around you's ears on it too. Appreciate that, man. Yes, sir, of course. But now we're going to get to our main event segment here. (laughs) We are going to flip the script, and if you've been a listener up to this point, you know what's coming for our new listeners we are going to flip the script here, and Tracy is going to do a speed round with me and throw five questions my way. 
I don't know what these questions are ahead of time, so everything he asks me, my responses will be on the spot. And at this point, I am at Tracy's mercy. So here we go. Uh, let's see. I'll start with an easy one. Favorite favorite voiceover work you've done? Favorite voiceover work you've done? Oh, man. I'm going to say that it hasn't happened yet. I've done some cool stuff. Um, I think the coolest thing for me is just like being able to do voices that people don't really like... Uh, don't really expect to come out of me because if you look at me, some of these high pitched shrill voices or got even a macho man, like they called on somebody at a, I'll just use this one as an example. And it's not a professional one by any stretch of the imagination, but we were on a work call and you know, you could tell it was four o'clock in the afternoon. People didn't want to be there. Uh, one of the managers gets called on and says, Hey, so-and-so do a read this, read this next slide and your best macho man voice. And, as soon as I heard that, I literally cut them off and said, uh, guys, I have to be the one that does this. Didn't give them an opportunity to say no. And I just went into it and it was like, uh, I forget what it was. It was about some summer product for allergies and all that. But, but I went into my Randy Savage. Ooh, yeah. I got into all the mannerisms. I was even doing the fingers while I was on the phone and I just got into it. And as soon as it was done, everybody just, you could see their eyes bugging out on the Zoom calls. Like, oh, I didn't know he could do that. And it's like, well, you know, you learn something new. But I guess to get back to the question at hand, man, I can't say that my favorite thing has happened yet because um, I'm still relatively new in everything and I'm still trying to get my name out there. But... I think my favorite thing is just going to be something I can do that my kids will actually hear. I've done some commercials, you know, like out in Oklahoma, done some sure. stuff for Stanford University, and uh, actually did a, I'll say this one's pretty cool too. It was a League of Legends TikTok commercial over in Germany. I did a, you know, a 15 second spot for that. So that was oh, pretty nice. cool, but, you know, and I'm just going to say my favorite thing hasn't happened yet because who knows what tomorrow is going to bring. I gotcha. I gotcha. That's really cool though too, like that you want it to be something that your kids can Absolutely. Yeah, that's, dad. that's cool. You know, that's dad doing that voice. That's awesome. Um, yes, sir. All right, so so along those lines, I think if you'll permit me Of course. Uh, I will I will give you the next question in a in a voice that I that I like to do. Yes, please. Uh, so Christopher Flynn now, you got to tell me, Daddy, what would you say is the most favorite match, baby? Let's see here. Can I get a little more clarification? Do you want it to be one that I have had or one that like I have I have witnessed? But if you ain't in this to have something for yourself, then you ain't in this to be anything, brother. So <laughs> I want your favorite match. Man, okay, my favorite match, hands down, would have to be, um, gosh, I guess as we're recording this now, man, it's, it's, I'm absolutely flabbergasted to say that it's coming up on 10 years since it has happened, but um, it would actually be, and then homage to the man you were just uh, doing the voice impersonation for right there, the American <laughs> Dream, Dusty Rhodes, 
This would I actually. Words, I apologize. But daddy, I, I knew who it was. I knew that lift right off the bat. But it would be like, and this was in a backwoods town. It was Lewisburg, Kentucky, a town I've never heard of. Sold out building. Like the mayor of this city was even there to watch this show. Um, the night before, I had just become the NWA Mid America X Division uh, champion. This would actually end up being the last run with that title. I was the last person to hold it. But the night before I won that, the following night I went up to Lewisburg and I was in the main event against the NWA World's Junior Heavyweight Champion and his name was Kevin Douglas. We hadn't met until like the night before when I'd won that title to set up a champion versus champion match. And, right. you know, we just, we introduced ourselves. We took a picture to send back to the NWA board of directors, which I think was just one person at the time. But, uh, so we did that. We get to the building, you know, like the mayor introduces everybody to the show, plugs the, plugs the title match at the main event. We literally just go shake hands, find out, you know, what the end game or what the goal of the match was going to be. That was it. We didn't call yeah, anything. Call yep. Other than me going out and cutting a promo at the start of the show to cut the mayor off, uh, that was my only time being seen outside of warming up in the locker room. And we went for about, man, it doesn't even feel like it was this long, but it was about 25 to 30 minutes. Um, and he actually ended up winning, which, of course, he was the traveling champion. He had more experience. But... Come to find out after the fact too, like I wish there was, I wish somewhere there was footage of this, but unfortunately there wasn't. But you know, like he made sure to tell people that that match of his loop that weekend, because he'd wrestled other, you know, established people in the area. He made it a point right. to say that that was his favorite match because we literally went out there and called everything in the ring and just no egos, nothing like that. Just had fun. That was it. And I mean, like, just the fact that I was even thought of in that, in that regard to be put in that tour to face him, like, is just top, top moment for me. That's killer, man. That's uh, absolutely. I, I, would, I would like to see that match now that you've talked about. It. I know. I I can show you the replica of the of the title itself that I had made to hang in my gym, but unfortunately, it's like I even asked him, "Is like, did you record that?" And he's like, "I did not." It's like, ah. Out of kicking the nuts. I know, right? Okay, so I'm a bit of a I'm a I'm a cook. I like fashion myself as a pretty decent cook, uh, and I'm so I guess I'm a foodie as well. And I know that anytime Gathering of None or Blitzkid are on the road, you kind of kind of try to go to not typical spots. We try to try we try to stay away from the fast food. Right. Because like as as you know, being a traveling independent wrestler, that can be a nightmare. Oh <laughs> yeah. Wreak havoc on your on your system. Oh. And, uh, not only your stomach, but your entire system as well. Um. So we try to always go to like places that we've seen on, seen that or heard about, or that we've we've even been to before. Um. Like in Chicago. Uh, we would always go to Giordano's Pizza, get the deep dishes there, and stuff like that. So, being that you've traveled as an, as a wrestler, as independent uh, performer, where are some of your favorites uh, favorite spots? Doesn't matter the state. You can tell me the state, and then tell me 
tell me the spot that you love to go there. Man, um, one of them, it, I, you said drive through, but uh, this is actually one of my favorite hibachi places, and it's where my wife worked when we first met. Uh, there's a place in Tennessee. It's only in a certain area, but it's called Koji. But you can either go in or sit down if you're like in a hurry. Like you can go in or go through a drive-through if you're in a hurry. I'm sorry, but it's a drive-through hibachi restaurant, and you know, like you would think drive-through that means the quality is just going to be thumbs down, whatever. But man, like top notch. I would put this over some of the places you know where you go and they give you the whole spectacle while they're doing it. Man, like I would put that up there. I would also say too, um, down around. The Tennessee, Georgia area, like Chattanooga-ish when I was down there, City Cafe Diner was definitely a must. And then, um, man, I'm just a big, like, if there's any kind of local barbecue or wing places when I get to go out and travel, I I can't remember any specific names, but that's kind of like my favorite type of place. If I hear somebody says that it's good or, you know, like if I see something about it, I've got to go there. So anything barbecue or wing related... Sign me up. Gotcha, gotcha. I, I forget the name of the I forget the name of the joint, but we went to this amazing barbecue place in Memphis when we were on tour with Face to Face in 2011, and that was the, that was the best barbecue I've eaten ever like, in my life. I can, <laughs> dude, like, I can believe it. I can believe it. Uh, also, if you're ever in Nashville. You gotta go to uh, you gotta go to Hattie B's, man. Yes. Oh, yeah. I was trying to I was trying to stay away from that one because it'd be too obvious. But man, I would say Hattie B's, and unfortunately, this place hasn't reopened since uh, since the Christmas bombing. You know, over a year ago at this point. But down on Second Avenue, there was also Music City Chicken Company. Good. Oh yeah, I've heard of that place. Oh my I've god, one of the best. Man, I, I love some hot chicken. Yes. Oh, dude. If you're ever in town, I know what we're going to be doing. Sweet. Uh, Dan, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of all things, like, stupid spicy, too. Like, <laughs> I have I have one of those. Um, I haven't done it yet, but uh, I've, I've been sitting on my coffee table right now. I have one of those uh, Pocky uh, one-chip challenge things. Oh, um, you were a brave yeah. soul, my good friend. <laughs> yeah. And we, we well, in a gathering of none, we've actually sold uh, – Three different, uh, three different times now. We sold our own hot sauce. Um, we did a we did a, we did the ghost pepper one the first time, uh, and that was that one was a no brainer because we have a song called "Give Up the Ghost," right? Mm-hmm. And, then an, and an EP called "Give Up the Ghost." So it was the "Give Up the Ghost Pepper." Oh, sauce. that's beautiful. Uh, we did that one, and then we did. We have a song called "Crying Wolf," which is an older song that was on uh, was going to be on one of our first. Was all, was going to be on the first release that we did, but just kind of got shelved, and we just kind of did a uh, we, we uh, reissued the first release for a Gathering of None last year, and that was uh, with the additional tracks that were kind of shelved. That was one of the tracks that was on there, and so we said we we got to do some we got to do a hot sauce for the Purging Empty Promises EP. Mm-hmm. It's got all these songs on it that were on it now. And I said, well, what about Crying Wolf? Let's let's do let's do a Carolina Reaper one. And everybody was like, yeah, that's cool. And so we did a, a Crying Wolf Carolina Reaper hot sauce. Um, but yeah, every time I them, they sold out. And like the, the Carolina Reaper one, everybody loved apparently because I get messages 
like a year later, like, what are you guys making more Carolina Reaper sauce? And I'm like, I don't know. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> you started uh, an addiction. Anyway. Yeah, you know, it's great because it's it's a beautiful setup. Uh, my friend Anthony Ariaga out of Johnson City, Tennessee. Um, he he's a chef, and he also he, he's also he also plays in bands and stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've I've known I've known I know him through the music scene, but I I came to know that he does killer hot sauces because he did one for his own band at the time and i said hey i was like who did you guys source to do that hot sauce he said we did it in house he was like i'm a chef and i was like oh really said, man well what do, you, what do you think about doing one for a gathering of none so he said yeah i'd do that you know he was like you just buy the supplies ship them out to me and i'll have my label guy you know do your artwork and uh, i'll make them in my kitchen you know at work and uh so that's what we did, and uh, he was like, you know, what do you want to use? Like, what you what, what recipe do you want? You know, whatever. So he gave me free reign to do uh, the recipe, and uh, for both sauces, and it was funny because I didn't think the the Carolina Reaper one that we did, I didn't think it was going to be like. I thought it would be like kind of uh, like all heat, no flavor kind of thing because we're right, using right. Dry- you're using dried Carolina Reaper peppers for it. We didn't get like fresh ones. We'd use dry ones. Um, so, but it actually worked out great because it actually ended up being super hot still, but it was like the kind of a smoky kind of, uh, you know, had a lot of flavor too, because we had, we had garlic in there. We had, you know, um, we had red peppers, garlic, uh, cumin, uh, all kinds of stuff. So, so yeah, you know, and I've worked in kitchens off and on, since I was like 25, 24, 25 years old. So, um, yeah, I know my way around the kitchen. So uh, like the recipes that I would give him, he would do them. And each time they've, they've sold out. And like I said, oh, used to, we still get people asking for them. Like when are, when are you guys putting out more give up the ghost pepper sauce or when are you guys putting out Car- Carolina Reaper sauce again? I'm like, I don't know, man. You know, <laughs> it's just kind of, I don't want to. I don't want to go to that well too often because I don't want to. Right. I don't want people to be like, "Oh, well, that's just something they're always doing. They always have on sale." So yeah, it, it stops yeah, becoming an attraction. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right there. I mean, it stops becoming special if you do it every time. But if it's like sprinkled in here and there, little seasoning joke. But you know, it, it makes it more of a thing that people want because the more you make them want it, the more they're gonna keep coming back to it like the Canadian destroyer brother. Oh, still have never taken that. Who doesn't who doesn't do that move now? Well, Ricky Morton does that move now, but That's who hasn't friend. taken who hasn't taken that move? This guy. <laughs> Petey Williams is still the best one, man. Of Petey course. Williams. Yeah, the originator, it's always the best. Yeah, man. And, and like I don't know, like <laughs> we could we could go another hour on Oh, we sure people. could. Wrong, wrong versus right in uh, wrestling. But Which, anyway, Speaking so of, questions. that's questions, right? That was three, uh, yes, sir. And real quick before you ask number four, you sure. are more than welcome to come on my new wrestling podcast that will be coming out in the near future. So we can Absolutely. definitely discuss that on there. Absolutely, I'm, I'll Jim Corn, I'll Jim Cornette it up on there. Oh, please do, please do. I don't, I won't, I won't, I won't have Miro tweeting that he wants to, you know, beat me up or anything. Yeah, so. <laughs> of course. I can't help but, you on uh, that one. Um, okay, so some music, music snob. You said you're a bit of a music snob. Uh, yes, sir. Give me your top five bands. Man, top, top five favorite bands. Top five favorite bands. Um, 
It's going to be a little diverse, but a lot of it's going to be kind of the same. But um, Hootie and the Blowfish. Cat- really? Yes, sir. Uh, that's this podcast interview is over. Oh man, you're just like uh, you're just like my friend Jermaine, man. He says he hates it, but for some reason I get the feeling he likes it. But just they put on a hell of a show. Um, but I've got them up there with uh, Catfish and the Bottleman. Then I've also got. Uh, now that I'm on the spot, I'm drawing a blank here. I've got George Jones. I've okay. also got uh, George Strait. And then I've got to put um, Matchbox 20 up there, too. Matchbox 20. You know, I like I like Rob Thomas's voice a lot. Yes. I don't, I'm going to lose probably a lot of punk rock points for that or whatever. I don't care. You know, I, I, dude, I'm 45 years old. A good song is a good song, you know? Absolutely. That song, that song they had out. Uh, let's see how far we've come, or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite song by them, and I think that would make a killer punk song. Of course, of course. You could totally that song up, and you know, you could at least make it like kind of Green Day esque or something. You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, Man, now I want to hear that. Not, not, not was not expecting to hear Hootie and Blowfish. <laughs> I don't, man, I don't know what it is, but I think I just, I got more drawn to them after I found out that Darius Rucker was a wrestling fan and that he owns one of Ric Flair's robes. Like, I think that just made me like him that much more, but I just remember, like, being younger back in the day and I hear, like, oh, now he's going to start doing country music. Like, huh? Well, they're South Carolina boys, you know? Yeah. So they, they probably, they probably grew up around all that. You know, NWA, Jim Crockett promotions. That's it. That's uh, it. You know, um, for for those out there who don't know what we're talking about right now, who might be just be casual listeners of my bands, NWA and Jim Crockett promotions were wrestling organizations. That's R A S S L I N. That's wrestling. Wrestling, yeah, man. Um, Ted Turner. I'm in the wrestling business. Um, I'm in the entertainment business, pal. Ha <laughs> ha. Such good shit. Um, <laughs> let's see. All right, so that's that's four. Uh, <laughs> being that we were talking about this earlier, how things parallel. Mm-hmm. What's the worst meal slash worst payout you've gotten at an event you've worked? Oh boy. Okay. Um, there's no meal involved in this one and I'm just going to go ahead and flat out say there is no payout involved with this one. Um, I won't mention this guy by name, but I will say that he was the head instructor of Shawn Michaels wrestling Academy back in the late nineties. He has trained some people. His initials are RBG, but me and a couple other guys had booked a trip down to San Antonio, Texas back in 2012. So this was actually booked the night that I had, uh, we were talking about earlier where I had worked the world's junior heavyweight champion. We booked this trip on the way back to Nashville from Lewisburg, Kentucky. And it's like, yeah, we'll go down on this date. Here's how much we'll be making. He'll take care of our hotel reservations, blah, blah, blah. Well, two of the guys end up dropping out for one reason or another. So me and this other guy are still gung-ho on going because, man, it's an NWA promotion in Texas. We're getting to go out. We're getting to go, like, the furthest we've ever gone. And, you know, like, dude, this is going to be awesome. So 
we get ready to go. Uh, as we start getting closer to time, you know, like a day or two before, we had local, you know, NWA promoters saying, hey, you know, like, are you sure you want to do this trip? Be careful, you know, let us know if he tries to do anything shady or whatever. Like, yeah, okay, well, we will. I mean, we've got everything discussed. We've got everything set so far. But if anything comes up, we'll let you know. So we even talked to him before we pull out of my driveway in Nashville. We left early that Friday to just kind of drive overnight, get down there, get to the hotel in the morning, take a quick nap, and then, you know, go to the show, get in the ring, roll around, all that fun stuff. Well, we drive from Nashville down to uh, San Antonio, Texas, get there about 7 or 8 in the morning, get to the hotel. Yeah. We get to the hotel that he tells us he's got the reservation at. We try to check in early. We just go to the front desk and say, hey, you know, can we, uh, we've got a reservation here, but our check-in time's not till 11. Can we just go ahead and check in? And, you know, you know, we've been on the road all night. And they're like, sorry, unfortunately, we can't do that. Uh, but if you come back at 11, we'll get you taken care of. So we just went out to my car and, you know, we rolled the windows down locked the doors, and just, you know, took a nap for about 45 minutes to an hour, went and got some food, then came back. So here's where it gets really fun. Um, We go back to the hotel, give give him my name, give him the guy with me's name, even give him the guy that was supposed to book us the room. No reservations. Oh, no. Yeah. So we try to call him, straight to voicemail. Try to call him again, straight to voicemail. Oh, man. We start calling the, the promoters in Nashville that kind of warned us. And in the middle of that conversation, he calls me back and says, Hey, man, uh, sorry about the mix-up. We had a little bit of a snafu there, so I've got you a reservation at another hotel. I'm texting you the address, and I'm texting you your room number. So we go. I'm like, okay, this is, you know, at least we're getting something. So we right. go. We go from the heart of downtown San Antonio to the absolute run-down slums and ghetto of San Antonio. This hotel looks like it should have been condemned. And come to find out, this was one that his cousin had owned, and we were the only people that were actually staying there. So I I don't know how or why, but whatever. So we get there, and I'm like, okay, dude, I got to take a shower because I got real sweaty, you know, like in the heat, taking the nap and everything. Go to take a shower there's no hot water. It's only freezing cold water. I'm like, okay, fuck, how much worse can this get? Famous last words. So I hop in, take a quick shower, get out. Yeah. Take a nap. Then it's like, hey, shoot me the address to the building. Takes us 45 minutes to find a building that's 15 minutes away from this slum right here that we're in. And it's like, it's on the backside of an unmarked Salvation Army building. So I'm like, oh, God. Okay, so we've driven past this place four times now. Okay, we find the building. We go and get in. You know, it's like, okay, there's a few of the boys here. I know some of these guys. They're they're decent workers. They're, they're good wrestlers. They know what they're doing. But, um, you know, start getting closer to bell time, and it's like, hey, we got a problem. The sound system doesn't work. So then come to find out the AC in the building doesn't work. Oh, my God. <laughs> And then here's the here's the trifecta on that. Only eight people showed up because they had done another wrestling show the night before just down the street that was better promoted, air-conditioned, and had a working PA system. 
So nobody wanted to come to this one. But uh, we're like, okay, we're still here. We're still going to get paid. Boy, was I wrong there. Um, so it's like we go out and do the match. Then it's like, hey, we need you guys to be a tag team for the main event now because these two guys didn't show up. Okay, cool. It'll be the two Nashville guys invading the territory, attacking the two, attacking the top tag team. That's the way they laid it out. So what we did, come to find out, um, one of the guys actually, like, instead of using baby oil, sprayed himself with cooking spray to, you know, to give himself that kind of oily look. Yeah. And on top of that, like, mixed in with, I'm sweaty, and he's sweaty, and he's covered in baby oil. There's no way we can hold on to each other for anything. So he goes to give me a tilt-a-whirl head scissors, and as he's going through, like, he just, I can't hold him. He slips through like uh, like that scene from Family Guy where they're chasing the greased-up deaf guy. That's that's literally what it was. And then he, he gets mad at me. He's like, do you not know what you're doing? Do you not know how to wrestle? It's like, do you not know how to not spray yourself with cooking oil in a non-air-conditioned building? Common sense here. So we get past that. We get through the match. We're back there hanging out waiting. And um, it's like, okay, you know, we're... Uh, we're waiting to get paid here. Everybody's gone but us and this one old lady that was working the door and her little, like, morbidly obese chihuahua. And, um, <laughs> you know, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, he he really just bailed on us, didn't he? So I called him. I was like, hey, you know, uh, are you still here so we can get paid? And he goes, what do you mean get paid? It's like, dude, when we set this trip up, we had a price set. He's like, I never said I was going to pay you guys. Oh, my God. And it's like, uh, so you're telling me that you lied to me back in January. You lied to all of us. It's like, I don't remember ever saying that. I told you guys you would get experience and exposure down here. And I just said, dude, there's no way I would have driven 13 hours just for experience and exposure. Because I love wrestling, but for the love of God, I got bills. I took a day off from work that Friday to leave early to come down here. And, you know, it's like one thing after another. So I just wrestler mentality. They always tell you, you get your money somehow. I started looking for things in this building that I could just take to recoup the difference. Horrible mentality to have, but I couldn't walk out with a, you know, with a horseshoe tricep bar from the little cable machine they had. I couldn't walk out with a 50 pound dumbbell. So my mind was like, man, I could just steal this woman's chihuahua and we'd be, we'd be good to go. But I just ended up saying, you know what? The hell with it called the other guy that supposedly set everything up for us and was like, dude, you said we were going to get paid. Oh, I never said you'd get paid. Never did this. Like, okay, you're you're lying to us. We know it. Whatever. So I hung up with him. I asked the guy I was with. I just said, hey, man, do you want to, uh, do you want to just go home tonight and just not even go back to the hotel? It's like, I'll, dr- I'll start off driving if you want to sleep. It's like, nah, let's just go ahead and rest up and leave early in the morning. So we went and got food. Set alarms at the hotel, but guess who slept through the alarms? Yeah. So we wake up three hours late, try to fill our water bottles, but guess what we don't have now? We don't have cold water. We don't have cold water, but we've got scalding hot water. So there's no in-between on that. And then as we get on the interstate, I'm just, I'm already pissed. I'm already tired. I'm already mad that we overslept. I'm flying in the left lane, just trying to, you know, on the interstate, just trying to get out of Dodge, get the hell as far away from Texas as I could. And um, what happens? We get pulled over and I get a ticket. 
jeez. Thankfully, it didn't go on my record up here because the, the the judge was like, "You're lucky. I hate Texas." So that that <laughs> don't even count in my book. But yeah, that was a uh, that was probably the worst experience with anything wrestling that I have ever had. <laughs> Well, and, that, my friend, is uh, you just had what we, we refer to as Murphy's Law on the road for uh, bands. That's <laughs> that, I mean, that's that it, dude. That is it. I mean, like, granted, it wasn't one of those situations like you've seen on TMZ in years past where the promoter for a show just up and, you know, ducks out middle of the show and nobody gets paid and all that. Or the, the benefit that the money's going for, they don't get their money either. Thankfully, it wasn't anything like that. But still, man, that's something I hope nobody... Band, wrestler, any kind of live performer, nobody should have to go through that. It's it's so it's so disheartening when that happens, man. Because you're like you second guess every choice you made. Absolutely, like dude, you absolutely so do. And then on top of that, it's like it blows my mind that people still go and work for him. It blows my mind, dude. Well, that's you know again, this is where the industries the industries parallel. You know, you play. You play this club or that club, and you know because you know this band and that band broke out at this club, and you know it's it's a well-known place, and you know a lot of people go there, and you know it'll be great exposure for you guys. But you got to sell a hundred tickets, you know, fifteen bucks a pop, you know, or you know whatever. And versus, well, you know this guy's you know from HBK school, you know he give you it's a great name to you know be affiliated with your yep. career, blah blah blah. Same kind of shit, dude. And you know, it's, it. it's one of those things. It's one of those things of where I, I know I don't understand in 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 our profession. I don't understand bands who are like, yeah, you know, I'll 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 take a hundred tickets and sell them at fifteen bucks a pop to my friends and my family and my relatives, you know, because I want to play this show, and that's just the promoter not wanting to pay the guarantee out on his own when shit like that happens, mm-hmm. you know. For the big band that you're opening for, you know it's like, come on, dude. You know, why would you, why would you pay to play? I don't get it. I don't get it. I've never, I've never understood it. And it's just, it's just, it's just lazy of promoters, man. They figure, okay, well, we'll get five bands, and we'll have them sell. You know, and a hundred tickets is an exaggeration normally, but it's right. it's, it's, it's usually like 40, 50 tickets usually that these bands have to sell at you know whatever ticket price they set, and uh, you know, then the promoter doesn't have to worry about paying the headlining band's guarantee. That's all that is. Yeah. And so you're doing the promoter's work for him. That's why I don't like pay-to-play gigs because why? Why, why am I selling your? T- why am I doing your work? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I'm already doing. Why can't we just open and you do the work you need to do? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly, man. That, that makes so much sense to me because I've been there and done it too. But then, you know, sometimes if you voice that opinion, like you're public enemy number one or people just kind of, you know, put the cross up to keep you away because you're saying what they're thinking, but they don't want to be the right. ones that actually come out and say it. They don't want to rock the boat. They exactly. Don't wanna, you know, they don't want to mess up any chances of them being able to open up for said band the next time they come through, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, that's it. I mean, that's 100% it, but like you just you hit the nail right on the head. It's just it just amazes me how it's you know, and then again another wrestling quote, you know, you have to learn 
in, in, in your industry and in in being in a band, an independent band, you have to <laughs> you have to eat eat shit and learn to like the taste of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you gotta turn it into chicken salad too, so that's it. Oh that's man, it, man, this is uh, this has been a fun like, dude. How are we already at almost ninety minutes? Like, that doesn't seem <laughs> possible. Thought, <laughs> but it's like it's it's flown by, and I feel like I'm gonna sound like a broken record again because I've said that on so many of these interviews. But I literally look at the time, and it's like we talk off camera, not to you know get too far of a peek behind the curtain, but we talk before we start rolling, like. Yeah, we'll go 45 to an hour or so and just kind of see where the conversation flows. But then you look up and you look at the clock and it's like, it's been an hour and a half. And it feels like we're just getting started. Like that just, I love that part of this. Yes, yes. And then, like I said, we'll have you on wrestling with hypotheticals too. Like there's, there's so much more that we have to unpack. And again, it's like. Thank you, Jimmy, for introducing me to another kindred spirit because if one of my friends says, you've got to meet this person, I don't take that lightly. And so far, I have not been let down yet. So, Jimmy, I love Jimmy Dash, man. yeah, that, that makes Jimmy two of us. And he's the one that actually inspired me to start doing a podcast. So, man, like major kudos to that guy and everything he's doing. And guys, I'm going to give him a cheap plug again. You already heard their advertisement for this week. But go check out his podcast, Live and in Color with Wolfie D. They cover a lot of topics. They pull no punches. And you just get straight, truthful answers from Wolfie D, who's been just about everywhere in this business. And go back and listen to Jimmy's episode at season one of this podcast. Like, he bears it all. And he is so... He's a straight shooter. And he, he wants to help people on top of that. That's the... That's like what puts him on that upper echelon for me is he wants to give back to other people. So Absolutely. he he is good people in my book and everything he is doing is just, I, I couldn't be more proud of him. And like I said, I'm just grateful that he's been so willing to help guide me in this process too. So Jimmy, thank you for you know setting this interview up here tonight. This has been awesome. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, James Rock Street. That's it. Yes, that is it. <laughs> Or in, in another life, it was uh, Prince Omar Al-Kazan, but I don't know if we can do that anymore thanks to uh, you know being politically correct. But that was a fun right, time in our right. career. But man, oh, man. dude, Tracy, oh. this has been a blast. Like, I, I can't thank <laughs> oh, you enough way. for coming on here and just making my job easy tonight. This has been fun. Hey, you know, not my first rodeo, and I like to talk, brother. Absolutely. That's, that's, I mean, uh, that's it. Hey, speaking of speaking of Jimmy, Jimmy and uh, Wolfie D's podcast, I did I did a music spot for that. Oh yes, you did, man! I completely forgot to bring that up. Yes, you did, and oh my god! If, if anybody has already been listening to that podcast because they have advertised on here multiple times, just like uh, I have advertised on theirs, you will hear that on some of these segments on Jimmy's podcast. So now you know now you know who the voice behind you know behind the spot is. So. It's uh, it all comes full circle here in the end. Absolutely, and that was a lot of fun. I'm gonna do a, I, I, I owe him a couple more at this point because he wanted, he wants some uh, in a couple different styles. I did the oh, first nice. one I did. I, I told him, you know, because I remember, I remember Wolfie, Wolfie from you know, PG thirteen, yep. obviously, and uh, you know during the Attitude Era, during Monday Night Raw, and all that stuff. So I said, well, I got to do 
I got to do like an attitude era sounded kind of, kind of song. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it ended up, it ended up being very, um, 1990, late 1990s new metal <laughs> sounding for the, you know, 15, 16 seconds that it is or whatever. But I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to do one more along the lines of Blitz Kid probably too, like a punkier one and stuff like that. So I love it, um, man. I can't wait to hear those. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, this has been great. And like I said, you know, we, we kind of just barely scratched the surface. We didn't I know. Really talk about, we didn't get really to get to talk about, you know, how, how Jimmy and I met or anything like that. Um, speaking of Jimmy, but, um, we didn't get to talk about Aegon much or Blitzkid much, but we'll, we'll cover it again sometime. Absolutely. Man, and dude, I'm, I'm telling you right now, you are welcome back anytime. And I feel like now that we've actually gotten the first one done, it's just going to be, you know, like, like putting on an old pair of shoes at this point. Like we're already going to know what to do. We're going to know exactly where we want to go. And like, like you said, there's so much more to cover and there's so many different topics to cover too. So like, I'm dude, I'm chomping at the bit to get going on those. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, let me know when and we'll do it again. Absolutely. And we'll see if we can't maybe wrangle Jimmy in for something too. We'll make it a, make it a triple threat. Oh, that'd be great. Jimmy, yes, I can, sir. Jimmy, I can talk about the, uh, some of the gigs we played together back in the day. Oh, man. Okay, I'm, I've already got some ideas rolling. The wheels are spinning right now. But, guys, man, you, you heard it right here. Tracy is going to be back, and we're basically just going to make sure Jimmy's back with us. He doesn't have a choice at this point. So <laughs> keep on the lookout. Maybe it'll be Season 2. Maybe it'll be Season 3 because we're getting to that point, too, guys. Like, time is flying by here and we're coming up on the first year the one year anniversary of me launching this podcast and i've used the word multiple times but flabbergasted where has time gone time has no meaning anymore blinking we're here like i'm amazed and i'm grateful that you guys keep tuning in and keep listening and that i keep having awesome guests on the show that i'm beyond blessed to call friends that they want to come and you know just share their time, share their stories, and hopefully drop some little nuggets of wisdom that help you guys in your everyday life as well. If it's something you're dealing with like burnout, stress, depression, whatever it may be, hopefully you're picking up on something that they've gone through too and knowing that you're not alone in the struggle. So for your continued support, I am forever grateful on that. And guys, tonight I hope you had as much fun listening to this conversation as Tracy and I did having it, and I hope you lost all track of time just like we did. This has been a blast. So, Tracy, thank you again, man. Hey, man. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Uh, it's been, like you said, been really fun. And I didn't, I didn't know, like, I wasn't, look, I don't look at the clock when I'm doing these things. Right, I, right. I, I, I'm just kind of a free flow kind of communicator anyway. So, you know, when we, you said we we're coming up on 90 minutes, I was like, what? You know, like, wow, wow okay. Yeah, I know, just, um, I glanced at the timeline on the, uh, on the uh, mixer here, and it's just like, 90 minutes already? Like, God, that doesn't seem right. But yeah, I mean, that's that's just what happens when you find those kindred spirits and you can just let the conversation flow. That's that's all it comes down to is just having a conversation between friends. For sure, for sure, and, yeah. And that's that's what it's felt like, too. It's like, I didn't, I don't, I've done podcasts before where, you know, I don't necessarily know the person. Like, I know you and I don't know one another all that well. Right, right. I don't, I didn't get, I didn't get any of that, like, awkwardness, like, you know, like the whole <laughs> The whole, the whole Chris Farley, you know, 
segment on SNL. Like, you know, remember remember when you were in the Beatles? Yeah. That's awesome. you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's nothing like that going on. So. I'm glad, man. I'm yeah, so glad to hear that. I am so glad to hear that. And thank you for that that high, high level of praise. I really appreciate that. Well, guys, man, this is uh, this has been a fun one for me, and man, I don't want to sound like I'm going out on a high note here after that praise, but I honestly can't think of a better place to wrap it up. But before we get out of here, I got to give you the reminder: we are on all podcasting platforms. This podcast is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, we are there. And if you're on a platform that uh, you know, that lets you do the like, do the subscribe. Go ahead and do that and leave a five-star review. That helps us out more than you know. My other podcast, Tales from the Haunt, is on all podcasting platforms as well. So make sure, if you're into all things spooky or you just like Halloween, go check it out. There's something there for you too. And that podcast, along with this one, is on all social media platforms. All likes, follows, and shares do help us out greatly. So, guys, for myself, for Tracy... I can't thank you all for, you know, coming in again and listening to this awesome conversation. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed chit-chatting and bringing that conversation to you. It's been a blast, and we're going to do it all over again next week. And in the meantime, if you haven't already, go back in the archives, get caught up on past episodes, go back and check out Jimmy's episode in Season 1, along with our plethora of other awesome guests. And in the meantime, too... Go out in the world and do something good for yourself or do something good for somebody that may need it. Everybody is going to benefit, and it's what the world needs more of right now. So for myself, for Tracy, I thank all of you for tuning in again this week for another awesome episode. Can't wait to talk to you all again next week, and I know you hear me. Howdy, folks. This is Willard Wingnut, and I'm sure we've all heard the same expression. A woman works from sun till sun, but a voiceover works from noon till one. And I thought, hey, I want to be one of them. So I decided to get some lessons in voice acting. And of course, what I did was looked up the best voiceover coach I could possibly find, which was Elise Bowman. So basically, this is what I sounded like six months ago. But today... I sound like this. I begin every sentence with, in a world. In a world where there were a million mediocre voiceover coaches, where they were like lukewarm roller dogs at 7-Eleven, there was one that stood out head and shoulders above the rest, the one and only Elise Bowman. And she can coach you too. Go to EliseCoaches.com. That's E-L-I-S-E Coaches.com. And you can become a voiceover, too. Now back to my regular voice. That's right. She's like magic, so check her out. And if you have half as much fun as she does, well, she'll have twice as much fun as you. The I Know You Hear Me podcast is a presentation of Flynn Hendricks Enterprises. We thank you for tuning in this week, and we hope you'll check out our sponsors and advertisers. Make sure you check us out next week as we come back at the same time with another awesome episode.